2: Here's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove Live. We're talking NFL Wild Card weekend. We're going to even give you a little preview of Monday Night Football with uh, ESPN Radio Lexington's host, Brad Taylor. He'll be with us here as well. And uh, we'll close it all out. We're talking a little even college basketball in this episode. So that and so much more. That's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove Podcast.
1: From Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network, you're listening to the Sports Stove Podcast with your host, Vince Stover. Hey,
3: good looking. What you got cooking? i about cooking something new.
2: Welcome to a brand new Sports Stove. We are live on Tiki and Live. Thank you for tuning in Uh, today. If you miss any portion of the show, we'll replay it at 2 p.m. And then we'll also be on for you in the podcast version, wherever you get your podcast, the Sports Stove Podcast. Today's Sports Stove is presented by Belly Up Fantasy Baseball Live. Starting February the 20th, every Sunday night at 8 p.m., Belly Up Fantasy Baseball Live will air on Tiki Live, on Facebook, on the Belly Up Fantasy Facebook page, and on Twitter. And uh, you can tune in every Sunday at 8 p.m. We're going to start off with the uh, player rankings on February the 20th, and that'll take us through our live draft in March before opening uh, day. Hopefully, opening day happens when it's supposed to as well. I want to let everybody know they can follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram at Sports Stove. We're also available on Facebook and on YouTube as well and if you follow us on uh, in, uh social media you'll find a link for our sh- merchandise store we got some t-shirts and long sleeve t-shirts and sweatshirts and things like that available there as well we're dropping three episodes a week it will be uh, 7 a.m and 2 p.m monday wednesdays and fridays here on the tiki live app and then uh and as well drop each of those episodes in podcast form For you Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Our Wednesday episode will be the Sports Stove Local Hour. We cover all things Eastern Kentucky University, and if time allows, we'll cover some other sports news as well. Before we bring in our guest, uh, Brad Taylor of ESPN Radio Lexington, uh, we're also uh, uh, we're going to talk. We have great great things planned for that conversation. Talking the games that already happened, and then uh, Monday Night Football. That is ahead of us as well. We're going to talk a little Kentucky basketball and SEC basketball uh, with Brad as well. But I want to start today's episode talking about NFL draft busts. If you Google uh, worst NFL busts of all times, you'll come up with a lot of popular names. The Jamarcus Russells, for instance, uh, usually end up there as well. But I was watching football this weekend, and during the Philadelphia Eagle-Tampa Bay Buccaneer game, Jalen Rager started coming to mind. Uh, he was drafted in the first round of the 2020 draft. Number 21 overall, to the Philadelphia Eagles. One spot ahead of Justin Jefferson. And that's the one that gets brought up the most when you're talking about Jalen Rager. When you're talking about busts, someone who was selected in the first round, that's supposed to make a difference for your team, kind of like Devontae Smith did this year for Philadelphia. Uh, you have a player now who is just filling time, wasting time, filling an opportunity that could be taken somewhere else. Not only is he not productive as a wide receiver, he is a liability as a special teams returner. And we saw in this game against Tampa on Sunday, Jalen Rager just, uh, he muffed two different punts. One of them he lost, the other one he got back, and he is just a problem. So I started thinking through the 2020 NFL draft and looked up what other receivers went in that draft after Jalen Rager Uh, that Philadelphia could have done better with. Justin Jefferson is the obvious one, as he won one pick later. Brandon Ayuk went number 25 to San Francisco. I would take him over Jalen Rager. And I continue to look. T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, I would take both of them. They win the first and second picks of the second round. LaVisca Chenault in Jacksonville, I'd take him over Jalen Rager. K.J. Hamler in Denver. Chase Claypool in Pittsburgh. Uh, Van Jefferson in Los Angeles. Denzel Mims in New York, you can question maybe, um, but they've been equally disappointing. <laughs> Needless to say, uh, those are your second round wide receivers. In the third round, Antonio Gibson was listed as a receiver. Obviously, he plays running back for Washington, so we won't count that one against him. Uh, Brian Edwards in Vegas, I would take him over Jalen Rager, Devin Duvernay in Baltimore, I take him over. Rager as well. Then you get to the fourth round and that's probably where Jalen Rager finally fits in uh, properly into the fold in the fourth round, Gabriel Davis in Buffalo. uh, And then Washington took Antonio Gandy-Golden there as well. And that's where I would say, okay, Jalen Rager fits more in those groupings than anywhere else. It just continues to kind of prove the point that uh, general managers, they may outthink themselves sometimes. Uh, Justin Jefferson, he was the fourth receiver, I believe, taken in the 2020 draft. And uh, he should have been maybe the first receiver taken. He is an incredible talent and greatly skilled. Then you've got people like the Green Bay Packers, who chose to take quarterback Jordan Love over a Michael Pittman, over a T. Higgins uh, there that were available to them at that point. Jalen Rager, maybe it's just the situation he's in. It's not the good situation. Philadelphia doesn't have a quarterback that can throw the football. Um, they they aren't a uh, or organization that is well-organized at the moment. And, uh, you know, maybe he hurts more than he helps at the very least at this moment. Will Jalen Rager come around and turn into a productive NFL receiver? He possibly might. But at this point, it's not hard to look at him and go, NFL bust guaranteed. Maybe one of the worst first-round wide receivers taken in quite some time. Philadelphia exits the playoffs and it's not Jalen Rager's fault, but why not pick on Jalen Rager just a little bit here today? We're looking forward to the episode ahead and we're getting ready to bring on our guest here in just a moment, Brad Taylor, again from ESPN Lexington uh, Radio. He also hosts a show on another channel, but uh, the bottom line with Brad Taylor. We'll talk to him all about that. But first, we're going to have a quick word from a couple of our sponsors and then we'll get to brad taylor
1: what's going on belly up sports fans thanks for tuning in to the belly up sports podcast network we have some really exciting news for several belly up podcast network shows the sports stove podcast the rough cut Sportscast, and here in puckburg have all been nominated for a sports podcast award so head on over to sportspodcastawards.com And make sure to vote for the Sports Stove Podcast for Best College Sports Podcast and Best News and Current Affairs Podcast. Vote for the Rough Cut Sportscast for Best American Football Podcast and vote for here in Puckburg for Best winter Sports Podcast. Again, that website is sportspodcastawards.com. Thanks for being the best part of Belly Up Sports. We are what they aren't.
3: Get in touch with our good friend Matt Schaefer at IPM Pest and Termite today at myipm.com. That's myipm.com.
2: Does the exterior of your home need a facelift? All Around Roofing has you covered. All Around Roofing is a veteran-owned company servicing Madison County and all of Central Kentucky. From roof repairs and replacements to gutters, siding, windows, soffits, chimney flashings, and more. All-Around Roofing provides quality work and friendly service that will leave your house looking great. Call today at 859-489-5179 to get a free quote. That is 859-489-5179. We can handle your all-around exterior needs at All-Around Roofing. Welcome back into the Sports Stove Live. We're joined now by our friend... He's been on previous podcast episodes before. Uh, Brad Taylor, he's the host of The Bottom Line with Brad Taylor. You can catch it Monday through Thursday, 7 p.m. on the all-new sports 96.1 The Zone in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, He also hosts The Weekend Line on 92.5-1300 ESPN Lexington. That's 9 a.m. Saturday and Sunday mornings. Brad Taylor, welcome back to the show. How are you?
3: I'm well, Vince Stover. How are you, buddy?
2: I'm doing great. I'm always doing great, though. Come playoff football, there's two things about this week, Brad, that I've loved. Uh, not only has it been playoff football, but we've we've had the whole coaching carousel. I love the off season. So you get me fired coaches, uh, coaches getting uh, interviewed for jobs that they're never going to get, and it just it tickles my fancy, so to say. So, uh, so I've been pretty good.
3: <laughs> yeah, I, I like this new six game wild card weekend. It's going to be weird having that Monday night football playoff game. Uh, tonight, so it, it's you, you kind of look at it a little differently because what's that going to do? Give them a short rest going into the next week. We're going to see how that affects them going forward. But it, yeah, it's it's there's nothing like this first weekend. It really it's eye opening. It's it's very exciting. Yeah.
2: Do you think that the Philadelphia Eagles and Pittsburgh? See, I, I like the idea of expanding the playoffs, but then you see how these teams got into the playoffs, and it kind of makes me question. You know. I mean, it's money, so I guess it's worth it in the end. But I sit there and just go, man, because I didn't feel like Pittsburgh earned their way into the playoffs. I felt like they literally backed themselves in. Philadelphia, I guess, earned it. But at the same time, it's like you knew they weren't going to have a chance here, especially against Tampa.
3: Yeah, and it's you had the same argument for the college football playoff. I mean, if mm. you expand this to 12 – I mean, we see every year the one versus four matchup in college football. It's always usually a blowout of some sort. So in the NFL, I mean, we know why they did this. They did this for money. You know, you get yep. an extra game on this weekend. Now you get six games this weekend instead of four like you used to have. So it's the kind of thing where does does these teams that, that are the seven seeds, do they really earn the playoff spot? It's It's questionable. But, you know, I think it's more opportunities for the fans out there, maybe the fringe fans who don't watch until the playoffs, and they say, oh, let's watch this playoff team. My Eagles, my Steelers are in it. And that's what, kind of what they're going for. Maybe not people like you and me who watch all these games no matter what. Maybe the fringe fans out there to gra- even garner even more interest in the league, the number one league in the world.
2: I was really surprised that last week of the regular season, it seemed like, there were two things people didn't want. They didn't want a playoff spot and they didn't want the number one overall draft pick. Uh, we saw Indianapolis lose to Jacksonville in which it looked like that meant Jacksonville would lose the number one draft pick by winning that game. And then Detroit comes out and, and drops it as well. So then Jacksonville still gets the one seed, uh, but Indianapolis is out. You saw the whole overtime thing with the chargers and the Raiders uh, that the Raiders ultimately won. Uh, yeah, I just I was surprised at how bad the football was in Week 18. It was so much on the line for some of these play, for some of these teams, uh, but we made it to the playoffs. Saturday night, uh, Saturday afternoon, I guess, was the first wild card game of the year, and we got to see Las Vegas and Cincinnati, two teams with inexperienced coaches, and uh, two teams with I think rising quarterbacks. I've made the argument: Joe Burrow is the fourth best quarterback in the league this year. And not everybody agrees with me, and but that's fine. I just think he's really good. And I think Derek Carr is a top 10 quarterback as well. But you have these two teams, and, you know, we're here in Lexington, Kentucky, a lot of Cincinnati so-called fans in Lexington as well. Uh, that game ultimately came down to the referees. And are you surprised the NFL is actually saying, yeah, these refs are done for the playoffs?
3: No, because I mean, what what else can you do? You want to have them <laughs> do doing the Super Bowl, and then everybody's going to be like, "Oh, remember that uh, that inadvertent whistle we had way back in the Wild Card round?" Uh, you were on the Bengals from from August, mm-hmm. and I, I remember laughing at you. Yeah, you're crazy. There's no this Bengals team; they're not going to be that good. <laughs> Over under, I think I think the win total was six, if I wasn't mistaken. I think they think I think so. six or maybe even five and a half. And uh, I was like, oh, this is an under. There's no way. But you I give you credit. You were on this team. And uh, you mentioned Burrow, his uh, pro football focus rating. He was the third best quarterback in the league this year, So, yeah. according to PFF. So, I mean, it's not like that this is some new thing that's just happened. He's been outstanding all year long, Joe Burrow. And, you know, now in his first playoff game, and you hit it right on the head, you had two inexperienced coaches yesterday both with their first uh, playoff game. Actually, two inexperienced quarterbacks. Carr never started a playoff game either. So you Uh had two coaches and quarterbacks. Neither had started a playoff game. That's why we were like, there's going to be some defense in this game. We might go under the total. We got lucky on that, but that's neither here nor there. But, yeah, this this line closed. The Bengals were up to six-point favor by the time this thing closed. Now, it was a bad spot for the Raiders coming from that game you mentioned, the Chargers game, late Sunday night, and then having to fly cross-country short week for that Saturday first game of the weekend matchup. But still, this this was a good spot for the Bengals, and they took advantage of it. And uh, like you said, the inadvertent whistle really helped them out. But this might be just the beginning. You talk about some young kids, and they're the young, hip-happening team. I can't believe I'm saying it. The Bengals might be the young, hip team right now in the NFL.
0: Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team, team ready. ready.
4: Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready.
0: It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible.
4: Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather.
0: Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.
2: My biggest question was Cincinnati. Their win total was six and a half, uh, by the way. Yeah. But they, the my big question with them coming into the year was Zach Taylor. I didn't know if the coach right. added in I thought that there was enough offense in him to make some, some good things happen, which is why I, I really felt like they could have a decent year. But I wasn't sure just with all the other things. I mean, we watched Mike McCarthy and we get to that game. And a little bit. I mean, just time management was horrible, uh, all kinds of just bad coaching. <laughs> and it didn't have to do with that. Sorry, play calling. It was all the other stuff. And that's where I questioned Zach Taylor coming into the season. Uh, but I felt like going up against Vegas, there was no disadvantage at the coach. They were both kind of even on where they were as far as the, the coaching aspect goes. But then you go to play calling, I uh, give Taylor the advantage with that and talent level on the team. Taylor has a much more talented team this year, especially with everything that happened with Las Vegas. Uh, Do you think that Vegas should retain their interim coach, or do you think they should go look for somebody else?
3: They should go look for somebody else, and I think they will. I've heard a lot of things. But, I mean, this is Las Vegas. We're not talking about Jacksonville. We're not talking about a smaller market. This is Las Vegas. This is the City of Lights, and you need a name in the City of Lights. You, You had Gruden. They basically got him right before they moved to Vegas. So he yeah. was – yeah, this is a, a a franchise and a team. They're going to go after a big name. If even – the only way we could question this, maybe if he had won this game uh, yesterday or Saturday, uh, maybe you could consider keeping him. But even that 4-0 stretch down the stretch, uh, streak down the stretch, they only – they won those games by – no more than four points. Every game was either overtime or full point or less win. So, yeah, I don't think he's going to survive. But I've heard even uh, Harbaugh from Michigan. I've heard him as a name to come in for the Raiders. I've heard some other big names, too. I think they're going after somebody big.
2: Yeah, is an interesting one. I You know, I guess he fits fine there. I'm looking at the names. Uh, let's see here. That I found for them, uh, the, basically the same – normal names that you're hearing everywhere uh Brian Dayball from Buffalo Biennium from Kansas City Todd Bowles from Tampa and then Frazier's in there I don't know why you would hire um Frazier Leslie Frazier he's a good defensive coach but I man I wouldn't want to miss my head coach after what he did in Minnesota but uh anyways that being said I didn't think I didn't think they should have I even if they Went to the Super Bowl. <laughs> I was thinking you need somebody else there. They're, they're they're running on fumes right now off of the energy of getting rid of some bad energy in the, in the building. And uh, I feel like he's a guy that you can keep in-house still, keep on the staff maybe. Um, he'd be a good guy to have around. But as far as being the head coach moving forward, I didn't think there was any chance in the world. He would survive it. Cincinnati, though, you said it—they're up and coming. There's the future's bright in Cincinnati. The uh, their next matchup uh, against the Titans—you know—they should win that game. Uh, the Titans have a better coach in Vrabel. Vrabel should be coach of the year for what he did in Tennessee this year. But the talent level, even with Derrick Henry coming back, the talent level there just isn't isn't much in Tennessee, and so it's going to come down to coaching or joe burrow being joe burrow um there do you think cincinnati has a good chance of making a run this year or do you still think they're a year maybe two years out
3: they've got a shot i mean they're going to be i mean i haven't seen the line for this game yet uh but they're going to be a a short dog in this one they're going to be a three or four point dog i think when this comes out so it's not going to be the kind of game where you say oh the bengals just mail it in. It's the Titans can mail, you know, can just name the score. And we're not a hundred percent sure Derrick Henry is going to be there for this game. We're told this, but until we see him on the field and actually, you know, walking out there for the game for the first play, yeah, I, I'm yeah, I'm not really all on board with Derrick Henry totally playing yet. I think it's a spot here for Cincinnati where they could actually. You know, as a dog, you know, you have the underdog mentality. You got a gunslinger-minded quarterback, quarterback. in Joe Burrow. And it, I think it's something where they're in a good spot here to, to maybe uh, maybe pull an upset, but definitely keep this one closer than the desert thinks.
2: Yeah, I think when I saw the seating and how it all shook out coming into the playoffs, I thought, wow, Cincinnati's set up to make a little bit of a run here. I don't think they're a Super Bowl team this year, um, but they've got the offense to make a run. And if they made it, I wouldn't be completely surprised. But I just don't think they're quite at that level yet. Uh, then you got the other end. We'll get to Buffalo and Kansas City in a second. But New England and Buffalo came in. Um, you know, I looked at this one, and I was on a show Thursday night, I guess. And we talked about this game. And, you know, the deal was is they proved in New England that they were the better team. Buffalo was. I didn't expect the the blowout though, that we saw with no. Buffalo and New England because of coaching again. What does this say about Bill Belichick? Uh
3: that uh, he lost the divorce with Tom Brady. That's exactly <laughs> what he did. And uh, Tom Brady right now looks like the 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 better. He won the divorce, so to speak. But I, Belichick's in his seventies now, and mm. he's he's had a rookie quarterback this year. So you know, I mean, I know Tom Brady was in his second year when they won their first Super Bowl, but uh, that was a different time and a different place. But you we forget that mid season run they won seven in a row mid season the Patriots did to kind of get this little run going. So I think next year is a big year for Belichick. If they can get ten, eleven wins next year, then you're saying, okay, well he's got it's he's back up and running again next year for Belichick, I think is the really telltale sign. If he has a mediocre 500 or less season, you might be looking at somebody who's going to skip town and say, well, I've had enough. I don't want to ruin my reputation anymore, but you're right. Last night, Buffalo was easily the better team. And I, I hate to admit it. You were right about Josh Allen a couple years ago, too. I was not a believer in Josh Allen. He's the best. I think he's the best player in the league this year. I really do. he, you look wow. at his numbers, 4,400 passing yards, 700 rushing yards. He had over 5,100 total yards. He was probably the most valuable on a statistical basis, probably the most valuable player in the league this year if you go look at his numbers. Yeah, Josh Allen, I, I, they've got a shot in Kansas City. I can promise you that.
2: Yeah, they do. Um, I want to come back real quick, though, to Belichick. And, you know, he set it up well for him for next year. Because this year they went all in on defense and free agency. They brought in a ton of players to bolster that defense. Then they drafted a quarterback in Mac Jones. And he looked decent most of the year. He had his down moments, especially as the year waned on. he kind of got worse. But they need offensive pieces. They don't have any good wide receivers, no matter what any Patriot fan tells me. None of the receivers are good. Uh, they've got two tight ends that should be good. They got some okay running backs, but they've got to improve their offense to get better. Buffalo, though, they look like Super Bowl contenders. The problem with them this year is they haven't been consistent. They've had up moments and down moments, but now you're at that point where you can make a run. And, uh, you know, Kansas City is a tough team. They've got a great offense, but they're banged up. They don't have a great defense. Kansas City does not. And uh, Josh Allen plays like he's played the last couple of weeks. Uh, you're right. Buffalo has a huge opportunity. Would you? Could you imagine seeing Buffalo and Cincinnati in the AFC championship game? Uh,
3: I cannot imagine it, but it happened before. The last time the Bengals were in the Super Bowl, it, they played Buffalo in the uh, championship game to get to the Super Bowl. That's how crazy I am about the past. I remember that stuff. But uh, yeah, it, it has happened before. It's been a long time, but it has happened before. But you're right, and that's, you know, that you can't fathom that. Uh, and on the Belichick end, when's the last time he drafted a really good skill position player? You can say Damian Harris. You Maybe it's Gronkowski and Hernandez, the tight ends. Yeah, yeah and, probably. You know, when was the last time they drafted a really good skill position ball-handler pos- player? I can't remember. I really can't.
2: Yeah, because, I mean, you know, Nikhil Harry, that didn't work out. That's a recent draft pick. None of those receivers
3: have worked out, yeah.
2: Sony Michel at running back didn't work out. Uh, you know, Harris has played well. There's no doubt about that. But it almost makes it look like he got lucky with Harris <laughs> and, and everything else. You know, he's got a, he's got, he's a guy that has to build through free agency because the draft, you know, he has a lot of credit given to him for the way that he's built teams over the past. But I think it's time to admit That without Tom Brady, the legacy of Bill Belichick would have been drastically different. I'm not sure, you know, maybe in the early days with Brady, but I'm not sure that had Belichick retired 10 years ago, that Brady still wouldn't have gotten to the Super Bowl as many times as he did. I I mean, from what we're seeing with what Brady's doing now in Tampa, he's got a good team in Tampa, but uh, it seems like. Brady was definitely the the upper hand in that relationship when it comes to winning football games.
3: When he was in Cleveland, Belichick coached four years. He had one winning season in Cleveland. When he got to New England, his first year was a losing season. And then the play, the year that Bledsoe got injured, they were that was the second game of the season. They were 0-2 when Tom Brady made his first start. So, of course, it's all Tom Brady, and he is winning the divorce. And Belichick gets a lot of credit, especially for what he did with the Giants in those Super Bowls. He did have Lawrence Taylor, though, one of the greatest defensive players of all time. And what they did against the Buffalo Bills was outstanding in that Super Bowl in uh, 1990 when Norwood missed the kick. And that game against Buffalo earlier this year on a Monday night when they ran it every time except three that was belichick saying i've still got it and i've still got a little pepper and i've still got a little product so he's going to keep firing bullets it's just a matter if he has the right guy shooting the gun in mac jones
2: yeah and i think it's a good lesson to learn too though you talk about new york and what he did in new york uh you know reality is is there's a lot of really good defensive coordinators out there that that don't make it as head coaches um, Todd Bowles may be one of those guys at Tampa. He's had a great run here at Tampa, and now he's getting interviewed for jobs to be a head coach again. And maybe he gets another opportunity and, it's, and it works, but it didn't work the first time. And, and uh, But he's a great defensive play caller. And Belichick has been known as a great schemer, a great cheater, a great uh, defensive play caller, all those things. Um, uses the rules to his advantage, needless to say, many times over. Uh, let's talk about Tampa and Philly. Philly comes in with a running quarterback that really can't throw the ball accurately. Uh, and you know, a rookie head coach, only rookie head coach to make it to the playoffs this year was Philadelphia, which is amazing. Cause I thought that was the worst hire of all the hires last year, even worse than David Coley in Houston. So, uh, that's saying a lot about my opinions of him, but, uh, Tampa had no issues, and they're shorthanded.
3: Yeah, they, uh, you were right on the Pittsburgh and the Philadelphia aspect, the number seven seeds. I mean, this game is 14 nothing before you blink an eye, yeah. and you basically are like, this game's over, you know, because there was no way that Philadelphia was going to put up enough points at that point. You didn't think, okay, oh, can Philly put up 15 points? You know, they did put up exactly 15 points, but at that point in the game, I mean, you know, it, it was it was very easy to uh, sit there and tell you the Eagles were going to lose this game, especially at the way they started. And Jalen Hurts, you know, his QBR for the game was 20. So that should tell you uh, – 20 out of 100. So that should tell you. And Brady didn't exactly line it up himself, but Jalen Hurts was just that far inferior on that field today. And it was – you had a little wind. You had a little weather issue, but still – Jalen Hurts just was unable to get – I'm surprised we didn't see Minshew at some point, to be quite honest with you.
2: I'm surprised they didn't put him in in the second half. I thought by the end of the first half, uh, Hurts had done enough bad things. And, you know, he gets him out of a lot of trouble with his legs, but he had done enough bad things. I thought, man, it doesn't hurt to throw in another quarterback here. They didn't do it. I thought Tampa was so fortunate to get to play Philadelphia here in the first round because Tampa is – they're hurt. I mean, they they lost AB after he uh, ceremoniously walked off the field. They they're out. Chris Godwin, one of their best receivers, are so basically down to Mike Evans and then the scrap heap there at wide receiver. And then you've got Gronk at tight end, um, who I assume this is his last year, but I don't know. He had some good plays in this game, but I think you put Tampa up against San Francisco. I think Tampa loses. Uh, you know, I think you put them up against really anybody else in the division or in the conference. I think Tampa loses and they got really fortunate to face off against Philadelphia. Do you agree with me or do you think Tampa is a legit contender this year?
4: Hi, I'm Maria
0: and I'm Mike and we're
4: team, team ready. ready. Black Hills energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready.
0: It's all about keeping you safe. Prepared and making your home as energy efficient as possible
4: everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather
0: be ready for anything go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready
3: oh tampa 's a legit contender I, I I think if they go up against San francisco i think I think this is tampa they 're going to have the whole field and they so they 'll be in good shape there. But uh, yeah, this is Tampa. I think they're going to get they're going to get to the end. It's going to be Tampa and Green Bay all over again. But uh, this time you might uh, you might be on the right side with your boy Aaron Rodgers. But of course, you know, having that extra game off helped them tremendously. But no, I I wouldn't give up on Tampa yet because betting against Tom Brady. I mean, I've done it before and I've regretted it. So <laughs> yeah, it, it's not a spot where I think it's very advantageous for yeah. Uh, at all so
2: did you see the situation with Bruce Arians coming out hitting the player in the head Um, that's starting to catch a little bit of steam I think they're going to try to kind of just swipe it out real quick and get past it Uh, Arians has been known as kind of a oddball not necessarily the most pleasant person to be around Um, do you think this turns into anything or do you think we move on to football and no big deal
3: I think it I think it'll turn into something uh, if you hear about it tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. I, it's kind of the, because they're trying to say sh- there's all the public relations people right now. And it's we live in that the old cancel culture that people complain about. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be a big deal. But if we start hearing more and more about this tomorrow morning, that's when you'll be able to see if this is going to be a thing. But is it going to help hurt the Bucks? It's one of those distractions that we always hear about. We don't like the distractions. That's why Antonio Brown is gone, because we don't like the distraction of the uh, that goes on. And Belichick was the king of getting rid of distractions. But you're right. Arians, he's always been a little bit uh, aloof is the word that always comes to mind when I think of Arians. But you know what? He's got a Super Bowl ring right now. And uh, he made Arizona a winner for a lot of years when they really didn't have enough to be a winner. So he's a good coach. Now his way of doing it a little different, but you know, he's still a good coach. We'll see what this happens. I don't think it's gonna be a deal, but we'll see tomorrow with the uh the Monday morning newswire.
2: Yeah. Uh let's see here. Dallas and San Francisco. This is a fun one. Um Dallas they looked beat the entire game, but they had an opportunity at the end. Uh, They decide to run Dak up the middle, slide down, and spike the ball. The problem is they didn't leave themselves enough time to spike the ball. Game ends. San Francisco gets the win without Dallas having a shot to take the lead on on the last play. Um, We were talking before we came on air, Mike McCarthy, just Mike McCarthy this game all up, didn't he?
3: (laughs) You know, I was not really a huge against Mike McCarthy guy until I saw that championship game against the Seahawks. Was it mm. 14, I think? It would have been, some, yeah. And uh, the Packers had that one. They had that one dead to rights. And somehow McCarthy got rid of that, lost that game somehow, some way. And that's when I started looking, wait a minute. How is Aaron Rogers not winning more Super Bowls, he should have more than one at this point. It's McCarthy. And he then as time went on, you saw boy, he really doesn't know what he's doing in terms of game management type of stuff. And uh we saw that today for sure. And uh yeah, it's when you compare Kyle Shanahan to Mike McCarthy, that's a no contest, as they as uh, Dick Vital used to say. Uh so yeah, we if you wanted to take the Cowboys today and lay the points with Mike McCarthy, you're doing so at your own risk because history tells us that's a bad bet.
2: McCarthy, so about three years before he left Green Bay, I told my dad, of course me and my dad are huge Packer fans, I told my dad, I said, they need to fire McCarthy. He goes, no, they don't. They no, no, no. He's good, and they did this and whatever and whatever. And that last three years in Green Bay was just horrible. I mean, him and Rodgers weren't getting along. The offense, I could have told you almost every time what they were getting ready to do as an offense until Rodgers started changing the plays in the huddle from what McCarthy was calling, and then everything just went downhill from there, uh, and and led to the ultimate drafting of of love and 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 anyways. It, all, it was all because of McCarthy. He refused to change. He refused to improve. And uh, he was predictable. I honestly thought that him having time away was going to be good for him. And I thought the hire in Dallas was a good hire. I thought he was going to come out at least for four or five years, have some success. And I'm starting to think now that maybe Kellen Moore or Dan Quinn is the head coach of Dallas next year as opposed to Mike McCarthy, because I'm not sure. Um, Well, let's start with that. Should Dallas move on now from Mike McCarthy? Does he deserve to be fired? Um, Because their their assistants are getting interviewed for other jobs, and we know Jerry Jones loves Kellen Moore. Um, So what do you think about the coaching situation in Dallas?
3: He absolutely should be gone. I mean, if today didn't teach you, nothing will. But the thing is, with Dallas, and it's a very unique situation, he, Jerry Jones wants a yes man. He wants somebody who won't fight back. He wants somebody who he can say, do this and do that, and they'll do this and do that, whether it's in their best interest or not. He's doing it for Jerry Jones. Now, would Kellen Moore be a, co- a better coach right now? Absolutely probably he would. I mean, it couldn't be any worse than Mike McCarthy. If you watched HBO's Hard Knocks, I don't know if you watched that before the season. No. They had Dallas. They had Dallas on there. And, you know, you saw Mike McCarthy's, you know, routine. I think he gets massages every day. And, you know, it's, it's not like he's burning the midnight oil studying game films and running analytics, you know, like he said he, he was going to before he got hired. If you saw the HBO Hard Knocks, you saw enough about McCarthy to know he's a clown show. And you, Green Bay right now—they've won thirteen games, three seasons in a row now. Mm-hmm. So ever since McCarthy's been gone, is that coincidence? Probably not, because at the end, McCarthy wasn't doing anything for Aaron Rodgers, and it's not like Green Bay has so much a better team now than they had but when McCarthy's last few years there. So True. yeah, it's 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 McCarthy, and if Jerry Jones you know wants to win another Super Bowl before he passes away heaven forbid it's anytime soon he might want to get look into getting rid of this McCarthy but then he won't have a yes man to uh, boss around and play the puppeteer with so yeah it's a very fine line how do you why do you think Barry Switzer was a higher for him years ago because he was a yes man who basically just took Jerry jo- or Jimmy Johnson's players and won a Super Bowl somehow
2: what about Dak Prescott? Is he a quarterback that can succeed, have playoff success? Um, or is he just kind of that, I don't know, third-tier quarterback in the NFL that can get you to the playoffs, win you a division here and there, but uh, may not be en- enough of that top-tier quarterback level?
3: Well, his contract says he is, but I, it doesn't necessarily say mean that he is. So does has-
2: Nick Foles. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
3: And the The problem is when you – pay a good quarterback, great quarterback money. That's when you pigeonhole yourself. That's, you know, it's one thing to to pay Brady and Rogers and Mahomes that kind of money, but when you have to pay guys like uh, Dak Prescott that kind of money, you're setting your franchise back because not only is Dak Prescott not proving himself, especially in the playoffs, but now you're giving him all this money. You can't go out and improve anywhere else. They also signed Ezekiel Elliott to a ridiculous contract a few years ago. So, yeah, is Dak Prescott getting paid like a top-five quarterback? Yes, he is. Is he a top-five quarterback? Eh, From week to week, maybe he is, maybe he isn't. We don't know. That's not the way you want to go into a playoff round especially. And today, we saw what Dak Prescott does in these pressure situations. He's been around for a while now. He, uh, he's been in the league, I think this is his seventh year in the league, if I'm not mistaken. So it's not like he's a spring chicken anymore. And neither is Ezekiel Elliott for that matter. So, yeah, if he's getting paid like a quarterback, but the numbers say, you know, not his stat. He has good regular season stats, but mm-hmm. winning and losing, especially in these playoffs, say no, he is not.
2: Interesting spot in Dallas for sure. Sure. Something I noticed during the game, Dallas-San Francisco game, was John Fossil. I don't typically notice special teams coaches, but it was twice in this game where I watched John Fossil talking to McCarthy. And I honestly thought, I think McCarthy is listening too much to a special teams coach. Uh, I felt like he was getting in the way, distracting uh, the situations. The They had the fake punt, which was successful, yes. but then they got delay a delayed game right after that because the special teams stayed on the field. There was confusion. They ran off. The offense ran on, and they got delayed a game, uh, which probably falls on Mike McCarthy. But I'll tell you, the things John Fossil's doing on the sideline caught my attention tonight. I think maybe he's a problem in Dallas, and uh, whether they get rid of McCarthy or not, I think Fossil needs to go. He, he has that, that veteran um, you know, resume been in the league for 16 years coaching, but, boy, he was a problem today, I thought, at least on the sidelines, something that I noticed. So if you go back and re-watch that game, keep an eye out for John Fossil and see what you think as well.
3: Well, um, it's, it's yeah. also about who you are in life. And yeah. John Fossil's father was Jim Fossil, and he was a very well-respected uh, coordinator, and he coached the Giants. He got to the Giants in the Super Bowl. So I'm sure Jerry Jones has told McCarthy, hey, listen to this guy. He's had some success before. His dad had some success before. So he might know what he's talking about. He might be able to help you out. So, yeah, it's it's all about who you are. His last name's Fossil. He gets these jobs. He gets the more respect. So, yeah, it, it, it's all about who you are in life. And sometimes when your dad is a former Super Bowl coach, you get a little bit more credit maybe than you should deserve, especially when you're the special teams coach
2: uh speaking of super bowl winning fathers um <laughs> let's, let's look at San Francisco and now they face up against Green Bay and uh you know Shanahan has done a great job on San Francisco the, you know one thing that has confused me Brad is I've heard a lot of people saying they drafted Trey Lance because Jimmy Garoppolo couldn't stay healthy and I thought no they drafted Trey Lance cuz they didn't believe Jimmy Garoppolo could win a super bowl But here they are. Jimmy Caroppolo's playing. He's leading this team right now. Now they go, they'll travel to Green Bay. They already played once already this year. And uh, Shanahan and his old buddy Matt LaFleur face up again in the playoffs. It's going to be cold in Lambeau Field. You've got Aaron Rodgers, who should be the MVP of the league. You can let me know if you disagree with me on that. And And now they face up against San Francisco. What do you think that game looks like next week?
3: Uh, Green Bay is a. Uh, they opened to five and a half point favorite. I wouldn't be shocked to see this line go up to six, six and a half before we get to midweek here. Uh, it, it's something where uh, the Packers have the name brand. Aaron Rodgers has the name brand. Jimmy Garoppolo does not, and Kyle Shanahan does not. Although I think he might be, as there are times when he's as good as any coach in the league. Sometimes he's not, but I mean he fluctuates. I, I think this is a good spot for uh, San Francisco. Now you bring up a, a good uh, topic with the uh, Trey Lance stuff. I think I honestly think they moved up to pick Mac Jones hmm. uh, earlier on, but everybody told them, "Oh, well, you could get Mac Jones. He's not worthy of a top three pick." And you just you sometimes you listen to the noise too much around the draft, and when you get to that point. Now you're letting the public and you're letting the Twitter world dictate who you're picking instead of what you originally were doing because the Niners knew that Belichick wanted in Mac Jones. So if that was a kind of thing where if we get up ahead of them and make him an early pick, well, we got our guy. I could, I'm almost a hundred percent sure that was kind of the way they did it. Cause the Niners are so incognito about all their stuff. They keep everything under, under the table, so to speak. Uh, but, yeah, the Trey Lance thing, I think that's going to come back to bite him. I think they're going to stick with Garoppolo going forward. I'm not sure. I saw Trey Lance play this year, and I'll be honest. He didn't. He only played, I think, one game last year due to COVID and all that stuff in Division One, AA or whatever it's called now, FCS. Uh, I'm not completely sold on him at all, especially with the Niners and especially with Shanahan, the way he once called plays. So it's the kind of thing where – is it's Garoppolo or nobody? And I think at this spot, I think you're going to see Garoppolo come to play against the uh, Packers this week.
2: Garoppolo, I'm trying to think of a good comparison. I was going to say Cutler, but he's better than Cutler. He's safer than Cutler, I should say. Uh, but he's going to throw you one or two passes a game that you can pick off. And you've got to yeah. take advantage of those one or two passes, if you're a defense, that is. Um, I'll disagree with you. I think I think Garoppolo is gone, and the reason why I think he's gone after the end of this season is his trade value hasn't been higher in a really long time. Um, right now, he, he they can move him somewhere like Carolina, Denver. Uh, I'm sure there's another place that I'm forgetting, but you can move him somewhere that needs a quarterback, maybe even a place like New Orleans. I don't know, but uh, they're gonna they're gonna get as much or more for for him at the end of this season than what they spent to get him, you know, just that second round pick back and whenever that was. Uh, Boy, I, you know, I, I know I'm a Packer homer, so it's hard for me to say, oh yeah, San Francisco will beat them. I think San Francisco can beat them, but I think the way the Packers have played defensively as of late, they've been much better and they're getting healthy. They had the week off. They're getting pass rushers back and Zadarius Smith and Whitney Merciless. Um, they're getting some defensive backs back as well. They should be better. Now, they haven't played in a long time, so maybe they're worse because they're bringing back some of these better, better players, but they haven't played in a while, so maybe that's going to hurt them in the long run. Green Bay at home at this point in the year, and I know they lost in the championship game at home last year, but I, I'm definitely going with Green Bay with this one. Uh, I was hoping Philadelphia would upset Tampa so we could play Tam- Philadelphia, <laughs> but that that didn't happen. So that, yeah. yeah, so here we sit. All right, that brings us to tonight's game. The Los Angeles Rams facing off against the Arizona Cardinals. Third time that they've met this season. Uh, I love the talent that Arizona has on their team, but again, I look at coaching and Cliff Kingsbury scares me to death. On the other side, I have a lot more confidence than Sean McVay, who went to the Super Bowl with Jared Goff as his quarterback, and even though Stafford has not played great this year, I trust McVay with Stafford more than I trust Kingsbury with Kyler Murray. Uh, what are you looking at with this game, and uh, how do you think it's going to turn out?
3: We've seen a lot of favorites so far in these uh, games until today. until until yesterday, excuse me, the uh, San Francisco 49ers. But uh, the favorites really have done well so far in this round, which is a shocker because usually it's not how it goes. Uh, But this is a game where I really like the underdog here. Kyler Murray uh, on the road this year. Arizona was 8-1 straight up, 8-1 against the spread. So that's the kind of thing where, hey, Arizona – they may have been so so at home and they ruined their season because they weren't able to win these home games. But this is the spot I think Arizona, especially Matthew Stafford, uh, he had the second most interceptions in the league the second half of the season. So it was the kind of thing where is Stafford really this guy? Is he reverting back to wh- the guy he was in Detroit, the guy he was in Georgia for that matter? It's the, yeah, it, it's a spot here that I really, really like Arizona. Uh, you know, it's, and we sit here and we say, well, the playoffs, you always take the dogs or always take the favorites. I just think you have a quarterback advantage for Arizona and you've got a team this year that has been outstanding on the road, eight and one straight up and it gets a spread. So this, I, I think this is my favorite other than the Niners on Sunday. Uh, the Arizona is my favorite, uh, dog to pick this week in terms of it gets a spread.
2: I feel like this is a legacy-building game for Kyler Murray. This is the game where he can come out and flash his talent, have a great game, and now we're talking about Kyler Murray the way that we were talking about Lamar Jackson, what, two, three years ago? Uh, I guess three years ago, whenever he won the MVP, everybody was like, oh, Lamar Jackson, he's the greatest thing. And and then this year, people were saying they need to – Cut Lamar Jackson and sign Tyler Huntley as her starter, <laughs> you know, it's like, whoa, what's going on here? <laughs> Kyler Murray can begin to build his legacy here in these playoffs uh, with a with a big win against the Rams on the road. Uh, you make a great, compelling argument with the uh, the 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 statistics. Brad Taylor, the the one person I know that actually comes with facts to these things. Um, does I mean? You seem big on quarterback, but let's talk about coaches. Kingsbury versus McVeigh. Um, you know quarterback and coach have a lot to do with these wins and Kingsbury. I mean, I know he won the eight and one on the road this year, but I mean, how much confidence do you have in him?
3: Uh, not much, not much confidence in him <laughs> at all. but I will say this: I think Kyler Murray is the deodorant that covers up a little bit of the stink for yeah. uh kingsbury because kyler murray is that good i mean he uh in terms of covering spreads uh when you're an underdog i there are very few quarterbacks in this league that i would say they have a puncher's chance against anybody as an underdog and uh, kyler murray is one of those guys and his history tells us this. this is the first time arizona's made the playoffs in six years anyway so it's the kind of thing where as i have a little visitor coming to visit me here <laughs> uh yes i who, who do you like in the game tonight no oh, okay okay um yes you need to go see miss judy anyway um see i threw me off track yes they're not it's not
2: the first cat we've had on our show uh <laughs> yeah. ryan ryan mccarthy from the no credentials require his cat jumps in every now and then uh kevin wilson his cats come in before we're a cat podcast apparently
3: apparently so yes fours <laughs> for our basketball talk later in the show, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Nice. What a a segue we have. Okay. um, So, yeah, Kyler Murray is that much better. And if you look at his uh, overall numbers and the fact that uh, dogs in these, uh, historically, underdogs in the wild card round have done very well, 55% going into play here on this, uh, this weekend. It's the kind of thing where can all the favorites win? Well, we saw one in San Francisco, but I think we're going to see another one. I think Arizona might be able to pull this off. Certainly cover the number. History tells us that. And I, for my money, I think we have the quarterback advantage. Coaching, Eh, maybe not, but uh, Kyler Murray is the play here for me.
2: In our last episode, I predicted Green Bay, Kansas City in the Super Bowl. The only thing that scares me from that prediction right now is Buffalo uh, and the way that they played this week. Uh, You know, Number one, who's your Super Bowl prediction? Number two, did anything change after watching the games this weekend? Uh,
3: not a whole lot. I think you're looking Packers Chiefs. I, I think the Chiefs, even though they don't have the home field advantage, uh, if you if we have an, an AFC Championship game, Titans and Chiefs. I think even if they do play in Tennessee, Kansas City will be favored in that game. I can hmm. uh, I can promise you that. Even if it is on the road, Kansas City will be a field goal favorite there and uh they they should be they rightly should be uh what does tennessee have i don't, they've been winning games but uh yeah. how how do they win games that's when you ask a team when you ask yourself that about an nfl team in the playoffs they're the number one seed but how did they win all these games you know they didn't have derrick murray they didn't have this they didn't have that is it's the kind of thing where a team like the chiefs i think you're looking packers chiefs at this point that's my opinion i mean i i could be dead wrong and certainly we don't want to agree with Fitz uh, Dover on his beloved <laughs> Packers. We'd do anything to not do that. But the, the road just feels so easy for Green Bay. you got San Francisco, and then you've got you know the winner of this game tonight. So it, it's it's the kind of thing where are we really going to have to go against the Packers? I think it's the Packers. Uh, they, they're the odds-on favorite right now and with good reason.
2: We're talking with Brad Taylor. He's the host of the Bottom Line with Brad Taylor, Monday through Thursday, seven PM on the All News Sports ninety six point one, the Zone in Lexington, Kentucky. He also hosts the Weekend Line on ninety two point five and thirteen hundred AM ESPN Lexington Radio, nine o'clock on the weekends. So we'll close out our conversation, Brad, talking some Lexington things. The University of Kentucky basketball team absolutely walloped Tennessee this weekend. I tweeted out that uh, central Kentucky's a happier place when Kentucky's playing well um, I'm not sure if you've noticed it in your workplace or around town uh, just people are seem to be a little bit more cheerful this year than they were last year uh, in basketball season so uh, Kentucky are they for real are they legit are they a final four team um, or will they eventually crumble under the pressure of being the one and dones? and the transfers.
3: Uh, You make a very good point. I mean, I grew up here, so Mm -hmm. I know for a fact, when Kentucky basketball is doing well, it makes for a much easier January and February than (laughs) when they're not doing well. And we saw that last year, and it was all depressing, and it was all terrible. But I think the, the cupcake schedule that we saw in November and December, that was a really... It, that was the worst thing that this team could have gone through because we didn't, we couldn't judge them. We saw the Duke game and everybody was like, "Oh, well, they only lost by so many. And it's very exciting. It's very uplifting." Well, they still lost though. I mean, I don't remember <laughs> Kentucky fans ever being excited over a loss. And yeah. then it was cupcakes for over a month. It was nothing but cupcakes. And you know, we we talk about this all the time with Kentucky basketball. Show us on the road, show us when you're not playing these cupcakes. That they lost to Notre Dame, they lost they but they when they got the road win at Vanderbilt, it changed everything. But you're right. Yesterday's game against Tennessee, it was a statistical masterpiece. I mean, you could, we can sit here and talk about it. this is the first time. They shot this well since the invention of the wheel and fire. So I mean we can sit here and do that all night long. But the analytics now love Kentucky because they piled up numbers in these mm. early SEC games. But let's just face it, they're still one and two in true road games. And mm. now they the next nine games, six of them are on the road. So now you're looking at it. They go to Texas A&M and Auburn this week. Uh, mm. They're going to be a short favorite, probably six, seven points at A&M. They're going to be an underdog at Auburn on Saturday. Now, you, want to, you really, really want to impress somebody? Go win those two games this week. Go go down to Auburn on Saturday, win that game. That's a really good team, Auburn. I'm going to tell you right now, Auburn's winning the SEC regular season. Their schedule lines up that way, and they're just that good. Mostly the schedule lines up for them at this point. But <laughs> Auburn's winning the SEC. They're they're going to finish higher than Kentucky. This is the SEC regular season champion, my opinion. And the odds makers out in the desert are are shading them a little bit too. But uh, yeah, it's... You're right, it's it's a lot more cheerful around these parts when Kentucky wins, but I have a feeling you see an upset loss maybe to A&M this week on a Wednesday night when they're supposed to win, and all of a sudden here come the naysayers, and here come the severe wheeler can't shoot people and things like that. But you're right, that game Saturday was very impressive statistically. I was shocked to see them put up 107 on Tennessee.
2: I just – coming into this season, the thing that gave me optimism with Kentucky because I've been – the last couple of years, and I'm a Kentucky fan, the last couple of years I have really been down on Coach Cal. Mm-hmm. I've been down on the process that he – how he brings kids in and the one and duns and those kinds of things. I'm not against one-and-dones. I'm against building the program around one-and-dones. you got to have some consistency, some people there. This year, though – he has veteran players. He brought in more transfers than freshmen. So he's got the Oscar Shibwe, who's just incredible with rebounds. It kind of reminds me of the old Charles Barkley, the relatively in shape Charles Barkley. Uh, he, 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 that's kind of where I see that from. But they've got you know Grady, uh, came over from Davidson. He's played relatively well. Wheeler, when he plays well, this Kentucky team's going to have a hard time losing when Wheeler's playing well. Um, But when he's not playing well, that's when the the adversity comes. And you're right, these road games are going to be an incredibly tough battle. You say Auburn in the SEC. Do you think the SEC is a good conference this year, an okay conference this year, a bad conference this year? Where do you rank them at?
3: Uh, They're a very good conference. I mean, they're very top-heavy. You've got teams like LSU, Alabama, and, and this is a very good conference. You know, you have the usual suspects. The Big Ten is better than they are. The Big 12 is better than they are basketball-wise. But right. they're even better than the ACC this year. I mean, who do you have in the ACC? Usually it's Duke and North Carolina. Eh, North Carolina's a little off this year. Duke, they're, they're a top-25 team. That's the only team that's ranked right now in mm-hmm. the ACC. So I look at a conference like the SEC, very top-heavy, because you don't want to go down to with Vandy and Georgia and Missouri and teams like that. <laughs> but they're – they have definitely for sure they've got six ncaa tournament teams right now and they'll they might have a one or two more by the time it's all said and done they have that many top heavy teams but yeah this i i'm all over auburn to win this conference regular season they're already five and oh conference and they now have if they be.